When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Week one of college football gave us so much to talk about. We have hours and hours and hours here on ESPN Radio to get into all of it. Plus, this is the last week we can talk about anything having to do with last season in the NFL. The hype tripe train around teams that are typically talked about on this show, Greeny on ESPN Radio, i.e. the Jets. Uh, Expectations for year three quarterbacks, whether your team can go from worst to first. Get it out of your system today because week one is on the horizon. Courtney Cronin and Jeff Turn sitting in for Greeny on this Monday morning. Happy Labor Day to you, Jeff, looking forward to laboring with you over these next couple of hours. I know that you've been locked in on the U.S. Open, but we know that college football has everybody's attention. There was a lot coming out of this weekend. Yeah, you had personalities and everything that comes along with it. So I I found myself, uh, you know, trying to consume it with moderation, knowing that Sooner rather than later, I'm going to be consuming the NFL and college football in one foul swoop throughout the entire weekend. So I jumped a little bit around to the different games throughout the weekend. Didn't find myself watching one in the entirety like I probably will a week from now. Uh, But, you know, as a Miami Hurricane fan, we beat the other Miami, which is the Miami of Ohio. We're off to a good start, and that's all I can ask for as a Hurricane <laughs> fan. Everything else that comes along with college football was great this weekend. The pageantry, the sound clips, uh, Dion at Colorado, uh, last night's game between Florida State and LSU. I'm jacked for football season. Last night, everybody had a chance to watch LSU-Florida State, the only game on on Sunday evening. The perfect place to kick off today's show, one place to start. Here we go! Only one place to start. Okay, so this one was a butt-kicking by Florida State, who entered this game as two-and-a-half-point underdogs, a neutral site between Florida State and LSU in Orlando, the Sunday night kickoff, featuring 31 unanswered points by Florida State in the second half. This had, this game's got loaded storylines with it. Everything Brian Kelly, the LSU coach, said going into this game, and then everything he said afterwards. Here is the LSU head coach on what he takes away from a 45-24 loss. I take full responsibility for not having our team playing the kind of football I thought they would, and um, our players have got to make a decision that, you know, they they have to get back to – the practice field and, and double down on their efforts and their attention to detail and their focus and, and the things that they need to do as well. But this is a this is a total failure on a coaching standpoint and, and, and a player standpoint that, you know, we have to obviously uh, address and we have to own. 
Those are some harsh words from the head coach of the LSU Tigers. Two years in a row where they've lost this opener against Florida State. This one not as exciting as the blocked extra point that we saw in last year's iteration of this. But now LSU in an 0-1 hole. I know that they're going to have some cupcakes here before they get into the bulk of their conference schedule. But that those are some pointed words from Brian Kelly calling it a total failure. You, I mean, you typically don't hear any sort of reaction like that from a head coach, Jeff, even with a loss that's that bad this early in the season. Yeah, especially because it's a non-conference game, too, against an actual legit foe. If it was someone that was, you know, a group of five or, you know, talking about FCS versus FBS, then you're talking about sort of complete failure. But you were going up against Florida State, Power 5 school, who beat you last year when when they blocked that extra point, as you mentioned, LSU scoring in the final seconds with that touchdown and then subsequently missing the extra point on the blocked extra point and losing that game 24-23. to This year, there was no worry about extra points because this thing was over uh, well before the end. So I think Brian Kelly understands the expansion of the playoff gives him more opportunities to have hiccups early in the year, but the urgency level of LSU's uh, goals and hopes was ramped up to a whole other level with that loss last night because there is no room for error moving forward. So they had tons of opportunities, too, to make this game much closer than it was. They led 17-14 at halftime, but the opportunities that they didn't turn into points. I think about that first drive where they go down, Jaden Daniels sacked on fourth down. They walk away from that uh, from that possession without even a field goal. So... They kept shooting themselves in the foot over and over again. It happened again in the second quarter on fourth and goal from the one. Jaden Daniels, who entered this game, entered this season as the sec- with the second-best odds to win the Heisman behind Caleb Williams from USC, who, again, had an awesome weekend. He threw five touchdowns. It was the quarterback on the other side of the coin here in Jordan Travis, who is in year six. Yes, you heard that correctly. Year six of college football. 23 of 31 for 342 yards, four touchdowns, and one interception. He was the story for Florida State, as was Keon Coleman. We remember him from Michigan State. He ended up transferring. He was one of the big transfers from this past uh, cycle. And to be able to come away knowing there's not one but two players, at least on that side of the ball, that you got to watch out for, maybe entering the Heisman conversation a little bit more seriously here down the next couple of weeks, certainly makes Florida State football something intriguing to watch. And, you know, there's been a lot of people, who have, myself included, who have looked at Clemson maybe declining. Yes, I know they won the ACC last year, but... This Florida State team, Jeff, feels like they are 100% on the trajectory to overtake Clemson in the ACC for that crown to go from Dabo Swinney's team to Mike Norvell's team. They come off a 10-win season last year, and they're already off to a hell of a start today. Yeah, I mean, the Jordan Travis story, too, he was, I believe, top 10 odds to win the Heisman as well. He wasn't as high up on that list as his counterpart last night, but he certainly is one that was going into the year with a lot of hype surrounding him and that program. When you talk about being a six-year guy, clearly the experience lies on your side. But listen, Florida State is loaded throughout the rest of that roster, too. And you talked about the Clemson comparison. I, I think that's fair this year. I don't know that they overtake them and like run away with it like we saw Clemson do at the ACC over the last decade. But it feels like Florida State is back enough to be a competitor with Clemson there in the ACC. And I think the other thing that I was conflicted about last night was uh, I really like watching LSU football over the years. I, I found myself... 
you know, they're they're not like a team that I root for, but I I love the atmosphere on a Saturday night. I love the the pageantry that comes with LSU Tiger football, and they've been great. They've had a lot of great talents that we've got to watch at the NFL level. So I've really found myself watching them a lot because I love the NFL so much. See these guys coming up, and a lot of them through LSU. But Brian Kelly is on my short list, Courtney, of guys that I like to see lose. Uh, Dabo's on that list. Jimbo Fisher's on that list. Urban Meyer was on that list. All for different reasons. But Brian Kelly always acts like he's holier than now. And it feels sometimes like, you know, knocking him down a notch or two is just what the doctor ordered for Brian Kelly. So I don't like to see LSU lose, but when Brian Kelly is the head coach, I'm not going to shed any tears. I don't think a lot of people are shedding tears after the guarantee that he made during his coach's show. And I know you're placating to the audience. Right. And there are you people are. there. And he made the comment that they were going to beat the heck out of Florida State. And he did couch some of that. I want you guys to hear this. I think we've got the sound. Here's Brian Kelly. This was last week. His guarantee of what was going to happen when LSU went down to Florida State. I will say that there are still some areas that that need to be improved. Um, We're going to take 15 freshmen on this trip um, and 14 transfers. So uh, nearly 40% of this travel roster are, are going to go overnight for the first time <laughs> with LSU. So, um, and, and that's not a disclaimer of, of any kind. We're going to go beat the heck out of Florida State. But That's why I hate live remotes, because you end up having an audience there and everybody captures what you say, and then you can use it against you. And if you're going to say that, don't no-show in the second half and have 31 hung on you by Florida State who just looked – they looked like they were playing a different class of football. I, I would, you know, I would be the best head coach in situations like this because I'd go to the radio show and do the same thing Brian Kelly did. And then in my post-game press conference, I'd say, my team listened to me in the first half. We were beating the heck out of Florida State. <laughs> I'm going to blame the team because they didn't come out with the game plan and execute it in the second half. Now, I would lose all the support of my players after week one, but I am certainly not laying on the sword after we looked good in the first half and everything that we taught and that everybody came out after after fall camp and executed – goes to hell after the the first half i'm blaming the team and then i'm putting it on them i mean the stew gots is strong in me that's how i would pull this off and i would make sure that they understand that it wasn't my fault and then i go back to the boosters the next week and i say the same damn thing and go out and hopefully we play two halves instead of just one it sounds like you've you're channeling some Butch Jones. We're going to hear more of that in our <laughs> Wait a second. Hold. Now, listen. LSU has a lot better chance after week one to go say that again and actually do it than what the heck Butch Jones has going on right now. Yeah, a lot of things that were said before week one, during week one, and now after week one, which are going to be in our college football freezing cold takes. You're going to hear that coming up in just a bit here on Greeny ESPN. Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. Save when you bundle motorcycle, RV, and boat insurance by visiting Progressive.com. Straight ahead, are the Chiefs on upset alert without Chris Jones? Chiefs-Lions kicking things off week one of the NFL season. Jeremy Fowler joins us next to break it all down here on Greeny. Shopping for Mother's Day is usually a challenge because you wait until the last minute, but Macy's Gift Finder makes it incredibly fast and easy to find the right gift just in time for Mother's Day. Whether you're shopping for your sister's first Mother's Day or your fashionista mom who loves to make a statement, 
Macy's Gift Finder has so many great gift ideas that you can easily pick out something special to celebrate them both. You can shop by price, anywhere from $25 and under to $100 and under. You can also sort by category like fragrance, handbags, and more, or gift lists, like for the mom who has everything, pre-wrapped gifts or gifts for grandma. Find top brands like Studio Pro Model Beats headphones, Polaroid cameras, and Samsung smart TVs. So what are you waiting for? Mother's Day is May 12th. It'll be here before you know it. Macy's has the perfect gift guide to make picking something for mom easy this year. Head to Macy's.com slash gift finder today. That's Macy's.com slash gift finder. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Obviously well stated how we feel about Chris, and he feels the same way. So, again, we're just going to keep working on this thing, and we're looking forward to next Thursday, and, and hopefully he's in the lineup and he's ready to go. The Kansas City Chiefs cannot win the Super Bowl without Chris Jones. I don't care how good Patrick Mahomes is. Chris Jones is dug in. That guy is serious about getting his money, and he's not going to show up until the Kansas City Chiefs make it right. So if I was a Chiefs fan, I'd be a lot more nervous about an extended holdout with Chris Jones than I would be if I was a Niners fan and Nicky Bosa. Travis Kelsey sent out an APB on Chris Jones, the star defensive tackle for the Kansas City Chiefs, who missed the entire offseason program, is holding out until he gets a new contract. Yet the Chiefs are just a couple days away from taking on the Detroit Lions the night that the Super Bowl 57 banner goes up at Arrowhead. Will they or will they not be with Chris Jones in this opener. This is Greeny on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Courtney Cronin and Jeff Turns sitting in for our man Greeny on this Labor Day. Hope you are enjoying the day off. Have your cookout. Everything you have planned, be sure to work it around Monday baseball. Rangers hosting the Astros. Coverage beginning 3.30 p.m. Eastern time on ESPN Radio and on the ESPN app. Let's welcome in Jeremy Fowler, ESPN NFL reporter, here to break down some of these big storylines surrounding this week one matchup. We're going to get to Chris Jones. But first, I saw something yesterday, Jeremy, that I wasn't sure I was going to see. And that was Kadarius Tony on the practice field for the Chiefs. What's the latest with the wide receivers? Is he going to be ready to go for week one? Yeah, Gordon, it's looking that way. Andy Reid uh, said to reporters that he is good to go. And so, you know, they were optimistic that he could be back week one, but there was no slam dunk based on his knee procedure that he had this offseason. But it looks like he's training in the right direction. So the Chiefs should also get back cornerback Legereus Sneed, or at least he's been trending up, practiced well last week. He missed all the preseason. So a couple key guys that could be back in the lineup. Of course, Chris Jones will be out, but they at least have some other reinforcements in some other areas. What's the latest on the Chris Jones situation as they try to navigate his holdout? Well, Jeff, you know, there's still a little bit of part in the negotiation, the, the per-year average. It looks like there's a gap here of probably a couple million a year, I'm guessing, based on 
Chris Jones wanted to be closer to the higher end of the market, which is that Aaron Donald number, $31 million. If he doesn't hit it, he, he wants to be closer to that than the rest of the defensive tackle market, which is in that low to mid $20 millions per year. So that's the gap they got to work through. They've been trying. There's been communication last week, which is a positive, but the Chiefs, I'm told, have been bracing to be without him, at least in the early part of the season. He, he's going to be out week one because this is today the second day of practice for them leading up to the Thursday game and he's not expected there, mostly. And they feel like, hey, if we have to win a couple shootouts early in the year, we could probably do that, knowing that we need him for the late-season push for the Super Bowl repeat run. But right now, this is a player who's holding out and missing a lot of money. You're looking at the $50,000 in fines per day. You're looking at a potential forfeiture of signing bonus down the road from his previous deal. Now, all that can be sort of smoothed out if they can come to a contract agreement moving forward. But right now... Nothing in place. Jeremy Fowler, ESPN NFL reporter, joining us here on Greeny. What do they do in his absence? I know that's a loaded question because the production you get from someone like Chris Jones is hard to replicate, but they're going to have to find a way to generate at least like half of what he does and what he brings to the table against this Lions team who can gash you up the middle with their new found running back room and their new look backfield. Like how are they preparing to be without him and who ends up taking the torch if he's not there? Yeah, it's an issue and they know it's an issue. Uh, really the back seven on defense are pretty good. They got three good linebackers and they got a bunch of intriguing options in the secondary. It's just, and stopping the run. You know, they have that Purdue defensive end, George Karlofkis, they signed, they drafted last year, who's been a positive. He's really good as a rookie. The guys like that are black, but in the middle, uh, there's a void. They're thin there. You know, they traded for Neil Farrell from Las Vegas last week, but he's more of a role player. So no bona fide starter. Um, you know, Tershawn Warden is a guy who's in the rotation who will have to step up, but it's an issue. I mean, if you're the Lions, you're looking at running the ball and running it pretty heavily up the middle on Thursday. You know, Jeremy, just for context for the listeners, and I think Chiefs fans would appreciate it as well, when you're talking about 20 to $30 million for a defensive tackle, and I know Aaron Donald set that market at, at the $30 million mark, but when it comes to this offseason, we saw Saquon Barkley fighting tooth and nail, threatening holdouts, doing all these different things to get 10, 11, 12, 13 million depending on who the running back is in these conversations. And that person's toting the rock. They're, they're the person that's helping you score touchdowns. And then you got a defensive tackle that I think a lot of people are looking at going, how can that position be worth double what a running back is worth in today's NFL game? Can you explain that? Well, it's, a, it's certainly a mystery to some, and it's at least partially a mystery to me. But the theory goes, at least in NFL circles, is, you have to disrupt the quarterback, not only stop the run, but you have to get pressure on the quarterback and get sacks. And so defensive ends, we know, do that, and they get paid handsomely for that. But defensive tackle really experienced a boom in, in their market this last offseason. We had several players now making more than $20 million a year before Aaron Donald's contract was really an anomaly. Uh, but it's the versatility of those type of players like Chris Jones where – you can be a defensive tackle and get 15 sacks in a year, or you can slide to defensive end and play off the edge. Uh, and you can stop the run, and you command constant double teams. Like That sort of changes the complexion of the offense playing you and how they game plan for you. So defensive tackles are just worth more in that regard based on the matchup nightmare they are for the other team than the running backs. Even if you're Saquon Barkley, you got to prepare for him and 
scheme for him, but really it's the 10 other players around the running back that are creating lanes for him to run and those sort of things. Like just big people in general, offensive line, defensive line, they're just <laughs> worth more than ever now because there are only so many good ones. Yeah, it's important to get pressure on the quarterback, to sack the quarterback if you want to win games. And we know that the Chiefs are not the only team that are dealing with a missing pass rusher right now. Of course, Nick Bosa and the San Francisco 49ers. He has not been at training camp. The clock is ticking there. And then Brian Burns. Maybe we don't talk about this one enough for the Carolina Panthers. You know, How close are both of those players to signing respective deals or coming to an agreement before week one? And is there any concern with the Carolina situation that they might be without him? Well, certainly something's going to have to perk up on that pass rush market this week with, with games staring Brian Burns and, and Nick Bosa in the face. Now, T.J. Watt, I remember two years ago, got his deal done with Pittsburgh at the last minute right before week one, and he had a huge season, so all is well, right? Well, the 49ers are hoping for the same thing for Nick Bosa. They can get him on the field, but T.J. Watt was a hold-in situation where he was still in the building. Nick Bosa has been a hold-out and so, you know, really, the expectation league-wide is that Bosa will put up a massive number, maybe bigger than Aaron Donald's number, and be making somewhat around $32 million a year on a new deal. He's earned that as a defensive player of the year, 18 and a half sacks last year, has enormous leverage. So, Brian Burns, a little bit of a different situation because they're, um, you know, from what I've told, I've been told they're not close. And really, maybe Nick Bosa's deal getting done is at least a new barometer for the pass rush market which could speed things along uh, for Carolina maybe have a trickle-down effect but uh, it's just they're not in a position where a deal is close to getting done and so Brian Burns is set on playing he's made that clear so I don't expect him to miss games or anything but this is a player that had a huge trade market last year the LA Rams were willing to give up multiple first round picks and more for him so it at least makes you wonder whether that would perk up again at the trade deadline if they don't get a deal done in the next week or so. Courtney, real, uh, Courtney, real quick, I had one more question for Jeremy with regards to the L.A. Rams because you brought up Aaron Donald's contract situation, what he's making. Uh, you, you know, you brought up their desire a year ago to, to go kind of all in on a defensive back that can help them out and win big. How close are the Rams, though, to the line where they decide to blow this whole thing up? And, and if they get off to a bad start, could we hear names like Cooper Cup or Matthew Stafford or Aaron Donald in the trade market for, for the other teams that are looking to add some talent throughout the NFL? For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors. I do, you do, we all do, big, small. And when we keep them bottled up, as I sometimes have had happen in the past, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who've experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, Give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com greenie today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, 
H-E-L-P.com slash Greeny, G-R-E-E-N-Y. Well, certainly they start slowly and aren't winning. It's going to make you wonder. Um, you know, it's tough to gauge a team's true intentions when players are on the field. They're going to compete. They're trying to put good film on tape. So it's it's hard to quantify any sort of tanking. I think the Rams were trying to provide themselves flexibility. You know, and they spent a ton of money and salary cap dollars on players in the last couple of years to win a Super Bowl. Now they kind of had the reset. They really had no choice. And so they took this year to do that, knowing that they still have on offense Cooper Cup, Matthew Stafford, um, and, and some good players. you got Aaron Donald on defense. Like, at least you have some pillars to work around. And Cup and Stafford, just on their own, can produce some offense. And really, I've gotten a sense that the Rams like some of their offensive pieces. They feel like they're going to be able to score this year. Um, defense is a total mystery because they have a ton of rookies and undrafted guys that are in positions to play. So it's just hard to know what to expect from them. So I, I think they're they're straddling the line knowing that, you know, hey, if they win, great. Uh, if they don't, they're in a position to, to sort of get, get it going in 2024, and maybe they trade off some more pieces. Jeremy, we'll get you out of here on this. One of the contract storylines that flew under the radar the last couple of days, but now there's a deadline of Saturday is Mike Evans, a Tampa Bay Buccaneers, longtime wide receiver. He's entering year 10 in the NFL, looking for his 10th straight 1000 yard receiving season. Yet he doesn't have an extension. The guarantees beyond the 2023 season with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and his agent puts out the statement that all contract talks are off. If a deal is not reached by Saturday, Feels yeah. like these two sides are pretty far apart. Do, do you think this is going to be Evans' last season playing in Tampa? Ooh, well, it certainly could be, Courtney. I, I don't sense a lot of momentum right now in that deal. So I, I'm guessing coming off the holiday weekend, sometime this week after the Bucks meet with their ownership and you know they approach Derek Gilmore, Evans' agent, and at least come to a sort of yes or no decision on like good faith. Okay, we're going to try to make our best offer by Saturday or – you know, just we know we're probably not going to get there. Let's work on alternatives here. And I know the Bucks don't want to trade Mike Evans. You know, they they really do want him to retire a Buck, be a Buck for life, all those things that Evans wants as well. And and for good measure, Evans is hoping his durability, his thousand yard seasons every year with with sometimes bad quarterback play, uh, the fact that he's, he doesn't hold out like some other players did this off season. He's hoping those are all positives that help lead toward a deal. Um, but this is a team that, that's strapped against the salary cap, has other players that's got to pay in the future too, younger players like Antoine Winfield and Tristan Wirfs. And so it's, it's a tough decision for them, knowing the value of Mike Evans, but the, the 30-year-old threshold for receivers can be tough too if they start to age. Now, Evans wants to play another three or four years at a high level, and I think he can. So he would, he would certainly have a trade market. That's where it gets fascinating. But I, I don't think the Bucks are there right now. All right. Clock is ticking. Sometimes deadlines spur action. Other times it signifies that both sides are further apart and won't be able to come to a deal before the deadline is set. Jeremy, we appreciate the time. Thanks so much. Hey, thanks, Courtney. Thanks, Jeff. Have a good day. You too. That's Jeremy Fowler, ESPN NFL reporter, getting us ready for week one, Thursday night football, Chiefs and the Lions, sure to be a good one. ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. Insurance for motorcycles, boats, and RVs for protection on the road and on the water. See how much you can save at 1-800-PROGRESSIVE and Progressive.com. 
So there's a lot in what Jeremy said that's relevant and has remained relevant because it remains unchanged, whether it's Nick Bosa not showing up for training camp, staying away from the team until he gets his extension. And he has shown from his previous life in college football that he is willing to to stay away until kind of either demands are met or until it's a situation where he is comfortable taking the field. He's not been with the San Francisco 49ers and, of course, Chris Jones the story is going to continue to percolate until there's some agreement met. And honestly, Jeff, I I look at this. I, I look at where their schedule really starts to get hard, and that's week seven when they have the Los Angeles Chargers. That's truly their first real test. And I wonder if Chris Jones is going to stay – no, I'm going to stay out until at least week seven. Let's see how you fare without me against the Lions to open up a nationally televised game. And like we had talked about, the plan might be run the ball because Chris Jones is not there at defensive tackle to you know stop Jameer Gibbs, David Montgomery, their core of rushers that they have in Detroit. And if they remain firm on that, what is it going to take for Chris Jones to actually come back if they do okay without him in those first six weeks? You know, I think that's going to be a part of the equation there with Kansas City more so than San Francisco. I think the way that Kansas City approaches it is more on urgency versus San Francisco, I think, being a little bit more methodical with the way that they handle this situation. And I would say, you know, the San Francisco 49ers can – probably you know find a way to navigate without Nick Bosa because I think holistically that defense is better than the defense in Kansas City and they can rely on some of those other guys like Fred Warner etc etc down the list that can make sure that that defense you know holds their water until Nick Bosa is back and it feels like the Nick Bosa situation is a lot less contentious to where if it is a missed game it's one or two and Chris Jones's situation it feels like it could be a handful of games before he returns. And I think the Kansas City defense isn't as good as San Francisco's, meaning without Chris Jones, uh, you you mentioned sort of what, if I was Dan Campbell, I would draw up, and that's run, play, run, play, run, play, play action, run, play, run, play, run, play, and, and try to torch that defense of Kansas City in the opener on Thursday night. You know, lost in all of this is the fact that they're not going to be with Charles Omenahu either. Like, he's gone for the first six games. He violated the NFL's personal conduct policy, him coming over from – uh, you know, San Francisco one upon a, once upon a time. He's now with the Kansas City Chiefs. And this is a tr- tricky situation because you're not down just Chris Jones. There's another defender that you were banking on being there. But, of course, the suspension that he was, was handed down from a domestic violence incident in January now has him not playing for these first six games. So we'll see. I mean, this is how Andy Reid, he was asked about this, and he's been asked about this a lot. This was from last a couple days ago. So Andy Reid had this to say when asked about how the Chiefs are navigating not having Chris Jones there. Yeah, you move on. I mean, it's uh, as a coach, when, when the player is not here, the next guy is up and, and rolling. Chris is a great player. We've got other good players. They'll have to step their game up uh, to fill the role of defensive tackle, defensive end, and so on. To think that you're going to fill in uh, for Chris, I mean, that's not what you're doing. Have you been given any indication one way or another whether or not Chris will be showing up over the next week? Uh, no, no. Uh, there's no no indication. I'm just working with the guys we have and, and making sure we're, we're set there. He made a really smart point by saying you're not there to fill in for Chris Jones or to take over, you know, fill that void, because how can you 
when you take a look at their defensive production elsewhere. So last year, Chris Jones had seven, 15.5 sacks. Nobody else on that defense had eight. Most was seven. 50 quarterback pressures last year. Nobody on the Chiefs had – or he had 77. Nobody else on the Chiefs had even more than 50. So, you know, it's tough because nobody comes close to the production – of what Chris Jones has meant to this team, not once, but twice, like unlike others. I mean, he can actually tout that, Hey, I've anchored two Super Bowl defenses and up front, they're going to miss him. They're going to struggle without him in some way. What Jeremy Fowler was saying about the rebuilt secondary, I do think is a good point. And maybe that's where they end up trying to, you know, compensate if they have to, because if you don't have a pass rush, then you don't not pressuring the quarterback. You're giving him more time to throw the ball. And then he's going to attack the, you know, the deep part of the field. That's tricky. That's a tricky uh, proposition for Steve Spagnuolo to work around. And, I do think that this test, these next couple weeks, and yes, the schedule for the Kansas City Chiefs up until week seven, when we mentioned they've got the Los Angeles Chargers, it's their first AFC West game, but it's Lions, Jags, Bears, Jets, Vikings, and the Broncos. If they're not missing Chris Jones all that much, they're not going to come to the table. They're going to let him stay away, and they're going to go about their business. In the words of Andy Reid, they'll move on. But let's say that there's a couple losses in there. And I know this is the team that's trying to defend its Super Bowl title. Why would you mess with the good thing that you have going? But sometimes that ends up spurring action when they see how not as good on one side of the ball they are without you. And we know they've got Kansas City, they've got Patrick Mahomes on one side of the ball. That certainly helps, but he can't compensate for everything, especially the quarterback of the defense not being there. This is Greeny on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Courtney Kern and Jeff Turn sitting in for Greeny on this Monday morning. Our new ESPN Radio lineup kicks off tomorrow morning, 6 a.m. Eastern time. Michelle Smallman, Evan Cohen, and Chris Canty holding it down on Unsportsmanlike. Straight ahead, we revisit a freezing cold take about Coach Prime's squad. But first, Jeff has this from AutoZone. Dealing with a dead battery, head to AutoZone, America's number one battery destination. They offer free battery services like free battery testing and free battery charging. Their free battery testing can help you know if you need to get a new battery or not, or if you just need a fresh charge. And if you do happen to need a replacement battery, they can help with that too. And they're in the only place you can find the proven tough Duralast batteries. So next time you're having battery trouble, head to AutoZone your battery solution, and America's number one battery destination. With everyone fighting for attention, how can your business stand out and connect with customers? Easy. Get Constant Contact. Constant Contact's award-winning marketing platform has helped millions of small businesses stand out, stay top of mind, and see big results. Fast. Constant Contact makes it easy to promote your business with powerful tools like email and SMS marketing, social media posting, and even events management. With Constant Contact, you'll reach new audiences, grow your customer list, and communicate more effectively to sell more, raise more, and fast-track growth. Don't know much about marketing? No sweat. Constant Contact's writing assistance tools and automation features help you say the right thing at the right time, every time. Plus, you can send with confidence, knowing your emails are actually reaching your customers thanks to Constant Contact's best-in-class 97% deliverability rate. Tackle any challenge with Constant Contact's expert live customer support. 
Plus, everything's backed by their 30-day money-back guarantee. So get going and start growing your business today with a free trial at ConstantContact.com. Just go to ConstantContact.com right now. Constant Contact, helping the small stand tall. ConstantContact.com. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. We're going to go beat the heck out of Florida State. Travis throws wide open, Bell, left flank, 30 to the 20, to the 10, toward the pylon, he's in. Touchdown, Florida State. They have blown it open here in the second half. Starting Stronger starts at AutoZone, where they've got battery solutions in the form of free battery testing, free battery charging, and replacement batteries that fit your needs. That's what makes them America's number one battery destination. Get in the zone AutoZone. It's always fun when people have to eat their words after making bold proclamations the way that Brian Kelly did ahead of Florida State, knocking the brakes off of this team. 45-24, that was on Sunday night down in Orlando. Florida State 1-0, LSU 0-1. This is Greeny on ESPN Radio. Courtney Cronin, Jeff Turn sitting in for our guy Greeny on this Labor Day. And it it got me thinking. Like there was a lot of there were a lot of takes. There were a lot of there always are. But like going into week one when there still is so much unknown about these teams, the reconstructed rosters, the whole bit, that it was time to bring back some of the bolder. Let's call them bolder takes that people put out that ended up getting debunked or have a shake in our head here on this Monday morning. So let's cue up some college football music and get this one going. On Saturday, Jeff, when Colorado ends up beating TCU, I saw a tweet from Travis Hunter that was laughing about this remark that somebody had said they had the worst roster in college football. Did you see that tweet? Yeah, I did. Okay. Like, I was racking my brain. I'm like, who said this? Nobody, Nobody said this. Well, Actually, somebody did say this. Our guy, Tom Luganbill, he was on Next Round Live, the Yahoo podcast, and said, Colorado's roster, not so good. I think we're going we're gonna to finally see for all the hoopla and all of the hype uh, going into the offseason with Deion Sanders in Colorado, it does not mask the fact that they don't have any players on that roster. And you, think, you thought UMass was the worst roster in college football? It may be Colorado's. Now, I say that, do they have a quarterback? Yes. Do they have two starting corners that could be NFL guys and one of them plays both ways? Yes. They are so devoid of talent up front on both sides of the ball. I don't know how they're going to keep their quarterback upright. Oh, how can you say that they've got a quarterback, they've got NFL level talent at cornerback and then call it the worst roster in college football? He was like debunking his own thought in that statement that he made. Right. I think, you know, if you look at the names that were transferring in and you saw what they were recruited as or even their production heading in, you wouldn't have you wouldn't have probably thought that they were going to land in the same conversation in the same sentence as UMass. But uh, it certainly did. And I think after watching that Colorado game against TCU, you found out that they're going to be able to score the football in most games if they get little to even some protection up front, because 
Shadur Sanders looked really good. The four touchdown passes um, that he had, four or five in that game. And, I mean, Travis Hunter is just an absolute beast on both sides of the ball. But I don't know how you come to the conclusion when you have those two talents, regardless of what the offensive line looks like, that they would be in the same conversation with UMass. By the way, didn't UMass win their first game of the season? So they can't be that bad, right? Man, so there's two takes that are freezing cold here following week one that we can go ahead and debunk. Like, Shader Sanders, 510 passing yards, a school record, he threw four touchdowns, and of course, everything that Travis Hunter did on offense, 11 catches, 119 yards, and then defensively, the pass breakup, the interception, the three tackles. Deion said he's keeping receipts, and that's one I actually would keep because of just how outlandish that comment was that this roster was that bad. And maybe it says something about TCU because they were in the national championship game a year ago. Maybe they're not as good as we think. I don't use that as a freezing cold take for week two if they end up, you know, getting back on track. But I think that plays into the equation just a little bit. All right, another team that has some controversy, at least in the war of in the world of comments around this team, is Arkansas State. Oklahoma hung seventy three on them on Saturday. Butch Jones had to be consoled by a player because he was so distraught that his team just got (laughs) annihilated. Um, But I need you to hear his comments here because there's just some really not cool things that he ended up saying and alluding to about his roster. There's a lot of players on our team that care, and that's the first part. When we got here, we didn't have very many. But again, it still gets back to pride and performance, pride in your preparation with everything you do, And like I said, if you get beat because he's better than you, I can live with that. It's the untimely penalties. It's the lack of effort. It's the casualness at times. It's all those things um, that bother me. Okay, so you have no part of this whatsoever? You know what bothers me the most about this? Their coach previously, before him, Blake Anderson, he went 51-37. and And then Butch Jones gets hired in 2020. Butch Jones claims when he got to Arkansas State that they didn't have any players that cared. And then you proceed to blame the players, your players, that you picked for a 73-0 loss. Not once in there did I hear it's on coaching. Like Kind of like Brian Kelly when he was saying it was a total failure. He started at least with himself in coaching. Didn't hear any of that from Butch Jones. Yeah, Butch Jones was not self-reflecting there at all. Um, You know, I think the other thing about it, too, with Arkansas State is that, you know, you you have a situation where Butch Jones comes in as the proclaimed savior because he was a power five head coach before at Tennessee. And you saw what he did previously at Cincinnati. But listen, he has not been the savior there. If it was if this was like week three of the 2020 season when he came in, or week two of the 2021 season, you could maybe have these conversations. But as Courtney pointed pointed out, these are his dudes. Like we're in a three three year recruiting cycle now of like you flushing out the players you don't want with the transfer portal. You can flush them out a lot faster. So these are your dudes that you picked. And he started off by saying the attitudes had changed. By the end, he had thrown them all under the bus and backed it back up on them. Yeah, that's the that's from the Jeff Turn school of coaching, though. That's what you yes. said you would have done. hundred uh, percent. I'm not I'm half. not saying he was wrong. I'm just I'm just pointing out how he did it. <laughs> Some freezing cold college football takes the gift that keeps on giving. Straight ahead, we predict the end of season headlines with NFL teams on Greeny, ESPN Radio.